Shalom everyone. Welcome back to another episode of After Hours. Uh, much obliged for you to join me today. Um, yeah, I've got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, before we uh, get into that, um, just like to take a look at a couple of uh, responding uh, comments from the last video uh, where we were talking about uh, exorcisms, exorcism, deliverance, uh, Amish hemp farmers. Um, if you haven't seen it already, go check it out. Um, but yeah, uh, we had a couple of comments come through and I just thought uh, it's worth touching on a couple of really good points, a couple of good questions. Um, so uh, first of all, we've got Small Island Dweller. Um, I'm going to abbreviate the comment, but uh, they asked, uh, when you talk about deliverance ministry, ministries, uh, do you believe that people can be delivered by those not walking in covenant? Uh, if we don't teach them to walk in covenant, aren't we adding to the deception? Uh, so I could give you my own anecdotal um, answer to that. Uh, I'm sure uh, the, the teachers of the fellowship would be happy to get into it scripturally. But for me personally, I think in order to be walking in the power uh, uh, of the Holy Spirit to its fullest, um, yeah, I, I do believe that a degree of, of covenant keeping and, and obedience uh, is definitely uh, needed and necessary. And uh, quite often I would refer to um, the aftercare package. Uh, what I would refer to as the aftercare package of if we are going out and we're casting out demons and we're, uh, you know, proclaiming the gospel and, and, and healing and, and doing all of the work, uh, we need to be explicit in uh, the rules of engagement when it comes to the gospel message, um, salvation and sanctification and the long road that, that can possibly lead ahead for an individual receiving uh, deliverance in that form. So that would be my explanation in a nutshell. Uh, if anyone would care to add on to that, then by all means. Um, another uh, great point uh, by Ya ought to believe. Um, uh, is a believer making their living in cannabis much different than somebody who works at a pub or as a server at a restaurant where pork is on the menu? Uh, are believers responsible for serving people something we would not use ourselves? Uh, yeah, uh, great questions. Um, I think you're after my job with uh, with those. Um, yeah, what do you guys think? Because um, where do you draw the line with regards to how we engage within the world uh, with our um, with our careers and vocations and how that could possibly uh, either uh, contravene or break Torah uh, and where those lines are? So. Um, yeah, I just thought a really couple of couple of good points there, and um, obviously I'm I'm always opening the invitation to those uh, to uh, uh, to contribute. So um, it's much appreciated. Uh, again, more more food for thought. Um, so today's uh, episode, we've got uh, an area in which we've touched on before uh, in the realms of uh, artificial intelligence and technology, uh, Elon Musk, and We've looked at previously some of the more, uh, I'd say, technological uh, elements to it. And today I thought it'd be a good opportunity uh, with, uh, with some suggestions um, to, to look at perhaps the more spiritual element to, to the backdrop that's facilitating these moves in technology. So shout out Dan. Uh, he sent, uh, sent us a link through uh, suggesting today's topic. Uh, it's something that I've... Uh, I've been interested in over a period of time and it'd be great to uh, great to explore. So with that being said, uh, we're going to get into um, artificial intelligence, uh, 
um, the singularity, as it were, transhumanism, the movement towards a, a transhumanist agenda, and the spiritual weaving uh, within that. Uh, so just for some context uh, and some backdrop, so the technological singularity is a hypothetical future point in time at which technological growth becomes uncontrollable and irreversible, resulting in unforeseeable consequences for human civilization. Now, according to the most popular version of the singularity hypothesis, uh, IJ Good's intelligence exposure model, uh, an upgradable intelligent agent will eventually enter a runaway reaction of self-improvement cycles, uh, each new and more intelligent generation appearing more and more rapidly, uh, causing an explosion in intelligence and resulting in a powerful superintelligence that qualitatively far surpasses all human intelligence. Um, so the, the singularity in this, this race and this drive uh, towards a uh, technological advancement is uh, something that's been debated for a long uh, period of time by scholars and uh, people in popular culture alike, um, often popularized uh, in, in films and TV. We've got the uh, infamous Terminator with the uh, Skynet infrastructure and this um uh, this story of a of a uh, an intelligence coming into the world and uh, having the the this rogue intelligence um possess if you like uh, robots who then uh, enter into a a war of apocalyptic uh, proportions um you've also got a similar hypothesis in in the matrix films where you've got this um coming together of the um, of man and machine in order to advance and complete a, uh, a cycle or, or a pathway. Um, a, a lot of these uh, movies and stuff have so much uh, Gnostic um, components to them, which, uh, again, on the face of it, can, can e even seem like quite biblical and, and quite um, harmless, but when you actually look at the, uh, the, the subcontext, a lot of the time is a, a lot of insidious... Yeah, new age theology uh, wrapped up in that, and w with this, there's a lot of there can be a lot of sensationalism with regards to um, uh, quite what's taking place with regards to technology, and it can be you know presented as this ah oh, the, the evil robots are going to take over. But um, as I said at the start, I wanted to look at more of the uh, the spiritual long game in terms of um, where we find ourselves today, and and the um, the mystical applications to what's actually uh, taking place. Um, so with that, um, what we're going to do, I'm just going to read um, some excerpts from a book called uh, Seeing Through the Singularity, uh, Uncovering the, the Cosmic Conspiracy by a, a gentleman called Dr. Dr. Douglas Haugen. Um, there you go. Uh, it's a great read. It's a very comprehensive insight into uh, all things transhumanism and uh, the implications on society and uh, it's written from a Christian perspective as well uh, very thorough and uh, a great read so uh, yeah just to before we get into the the Elon Musk and the uh, and that train of thought I just wanted to, to set the tone with some excerpts in terms of the spiritual backdrop so uh, yeah get a cuppa on 
It's story time. So uh, seeing through the singularity um, connects some core themes. So bio, biopolitics, communitarianism, uh, human purification and cosmic gateways with the practices and ultimate directive of the cosmic conspiracy, the technological singularity uh, now being announced to the public, uh, which uh, again is something we're going to we're going to get into. Um, we have argued that since the 19th century, biopower has been employed upon the human population. Uh, biopower, simply put, is the modern scientific appropriation of ancient techniques of social control over bodies, minds and spirits or consciousness uh, towards certain eschatological ends, namely the campaign of Armageddon, uh, transhumanism and cosmic inversion. Um, so end times, uh, the amalgamation of, of man and machine and the inversion of the uh, true singularity of everybody being uh, reunited with God the Father via Jesus Christ. So the political application of biopolitics working throughout the world, to de- uh, world today is communitarianism which is a synthesis of collectivistic thought forms and practices of the 20th century, i.e. communism and fascism. Uh, and again, if you look at the, um, the role in which progressive politics normally goes from, it's, it's progressivism um, into uh, these areas of uh, socialism, and then you, you, you're in the realms of fascism and then eventually communism. So, um, yeah, um, the objective of uh, communitarians are comprehensive uh, control over the human population under the theocratic rule of Talmudic Kabbalah. Now, the communitarian techniques of control are employed mightily within Christian churches in order to make Christians the essential catalyst that solidifies the new world order, which could actually be quite a a controversial viewpoint. Um, Now, why Talmudic Kabbalah? um, Why Christians? It says that even the very elect will be deceived in the end times. And um, when we talk about Kabbalah, we're talking about the, uh, the Gnostic mystic uh, practice that was a derivative of the um, uh, oral law, the Talmudic principles uh, intermingled with ancient Babylonian practices, magic and esoteric um, uh, occult uh, practices. Now, the Kabbalistic vision for the New World Order appears to be taken from the Book of Revelation. Uh, we will uh, in the book it highlights aspects of this vision: uh, financial control of humanity under a, an, an antichrist, uh, whose number will be six six six, who will demand uh, allegiance from all humanity. Those who deny the Mashiach will be executed. As unbelievable as as unbelievable as this sounds, uh, this vision is now being externalized with little attention given. In fact, according to the book of Revelation, the world will be deceived and give itself over to the new world order system. Uh, many will trade the image of God for the image of the beast. And uh, we, of course, are seeing the first glimpses of that. Um, again, just off the top, we're not, I'm not here saying anything is necessarily the mark of the beast, but um, we are in some curious times where we're seeing some very strong precursors to the potentiality of that um, in the not-too-distant future. Uh, perhaps 
Now, uh, Kabbalists combine ancient techniques of social control with advances in modern science, biopower, uh, to bring about the campaign of Armageddon, transhumanism, and cosmic inversion. Now, for me uh, personally, I'm very much uh, an advocate of, you know, throw away your um, images of cauldrons and broomsticks, um, rabbits being pulled out of hats when it comes to magic, because what we... uh, uh, are now seeing with re- regards to sorcery and um, and magic, uh, it, it's f- so deeply interwoven with technology and modern uh, endeavors in the world of science or science so-called. Um, their ultimate aims are metaphysical, uh, to bring heaven to earth, which is accomplished through the unification of the Sephiroth, um, the unification of the Sephiroth requires the apprehension of human consciousness trained upon these ends. Now, those of you may be familiar with esoteric knowledge, um, uh, the Sephiroth is uh, essentially, uh, I'm abbreviating massively, but is essentially the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And this is a system in which uh, many um, practicing esoteric um, principles use this system and formula as a way of uh, ascending spiritually to uh, an end uh, higher power essentially so with that being said um this is the main focus so um modern scientific equipment e.g nanotechnology nanoparticles neurolace quantum computing quantum entanglement and nervous system manipulation so that's television internet social media are merely expressions of biopower aimed at directing human consciousness towards the inversion of the cosmic order through the inversion of Logos, which is uh, Jesus Christ. Seeing through the singularity uh, has introduced uh, a concept of an egregore um, that we defined as an evolving thought form or collective group mind uh, that possesses an autonomous psychic influence upon the human population. Um, biopolitics facilitates the creation and evolution of thought forms that advance the power and direction of the egregore. Now, the evolution of these thought forms begins in the city. In fact, the Hebrew words for egregore are angel and city, or angel over the city. In the ancient world, the spirits were incorporated into the Greco-Roman Uh, pantheon as metaphysical entities created with a particular theme or purpose which sounds like ephesians 6 territory if you ask me Uh, in the 19th century uh, biopolitics expanded the thought form into the spirit of the nation state Uh, in the 20th century the thought form was expanded into the imperial visions of the communist and fascist new man Uh, In the 21st century, communitarians employ biopolitics to unite city and cosmos to create the current and final thought form, the egregore of earthly Jerusalem, in brackets, the NWO. So the the principle of a thought form is absolutely fascinating because it's it's something that um, sways and manipulates and positions popular opinion, uh, culture, practices, in, in, in so many ways, it can be in music, it can be in politics. I think we can look at the, uh, the, the pandemic over the you know, couple of years ago. That, that is high-end K-12 
chaos magic if you ask me that's that's high-end sorcery there's some serious egregores taking place there um so yeah this uh, this premise of a of a thought form and egregore and how that can um essentially uh, hack the the mainframe of humanity if you like um and this is the what what could be colloquially uh, colloquially referred to as the, the the hive mind it's literally when people start moving in algorithms in ways that are just uh uh spooky and this is the the spiritual spiritual backdrop to that um anything else we should touch on before we move on um okay let's get into the the techno serpent so uh, according to rabbi michael Leitman, uh, all of humanity is one uh, it is one ancient babylonian family that must unite and return to babylon through the language and light of kabbalah now the science of kabbalah is said to contain the ancient blueprint that reveals the secrets to the universe it is the key that unlocks consciousness to the awareness of oneness between creation and creator uh, Kabbalah cites the source of this interconnecting uh, of all things in the light of Ein Sof that emanates uh, from Ketha. Uh, now, Ein Sof is the the supreme deity, and if you want to get into Antichrist spirit, that is the uh, that's the one basically because uh, in Kabbalistic tradition, it's the Ein Sof that created our Creator Elohim, uh, Adonai, um, Yahweh. So you've already got this usurping at the highest echelons of, um, of Kabbalistic thought, which is one of those ones. It's like you can work at McDonald's and you've never met Ronald McDonald. You could be at a, you could be a low-ranking Freemason and not know that at the top of the pyramid is is Lucifer himself. Um, I believe it's my opinion that within even the realms of, of Kabbalah and uh, Jewish mysticism, you could probably find some truth, you could probably find some wisdom, um, but at the top, at the end game, um, is a, a, a very anti-Christ uh, principle and a, a supremely um, interwoven uh, spiritual network that actually underpins a lot of uh, movements that are taking place in today's culture. And we see that within the New Age movement, within spiritual movements, and we see it within technology. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Kabbalah's monad of pure energy has been repackaged into today's quantum science and the study of interconnection of all things. Uh, again, this is the main focus. Quantum physics is the observation of invisible particles such as atoms, electrons, monads, quarks, superstrings, frequencies, vibrations that exist in another dimension, and the effect of those particles on the material world by the observer. Uh, we have stressed that quantum technology is an extension of biopower employed for certain eschatological ends. Uh, Diane Loper notes, now Diane Loper, she wrote a, a great book, uh, in my opinion, of uh, Kabbalah secrets Christians need to know. Uh, she says, uh, because everything is made of atoms, we are all uh, one at the subatomic level. We are all part of this force of light that connects and holds everything together. Uh, in effect, quantum science appears to be a manipulation of forces in the invisible spirit world by observers in the physical material world, by scientists mystics or unknowing participants uh, the new discoveries in quantum physics are the externalization of those entities that theosophy uh, which is a, a very uh, strong new age movement uh, 
of the last century, says will bring about an entirely new planetary initiation. Um, Alice Bailey, who was one of the pioneers and forerunners of the New Age movement in modern times, uh, says, uh, because everything is connected, matter and spirit exists in one continuous reality, an endless spectrum of divine consciousness. The interaction of science and Kabbalah will raise the sparks and the beasts. In other words... Uh, the alchemical merger of man and technology will raise the techno serpent. And we're not talking about some German uh, disco snake. <laughs> it's literally the, the seed of the serpent, uh, which, is, uh, which is a highly prophetic uh, story and uh, backdrop to what, what's taking place today. Um, together, scientific discovery and technology are actual living entity uh, with a collective consciousness of its own. It is a beast, a very powerful one. It is the king of beasts. The techno-serpent has risen from the dust, and Adam's higher consciousness will, directed by the providential force of Mashiach ben Yosef, ride out to the finishing line of the sixth millennial day into the seventh cosmic day of creation, a real and full rectified high dimension of existence and consciousness. Um According to Diane Loper, raising the techno-serpent is the aim of the technological singularity. Uh, the conscious singularity, constantly expanding and contracting from darkness to light, is Ain Sof, the god of Kabbalah. Interwoven into this twisted Torah script is Metatron of the Kabbalist and the kosher serpent, whom the rabbis say will return, but whom Jesus Christ in Revelation calls the great dragon, the old serpent, the devil and Satan, which deceives the whole world. Uh, we have argued that only human consciousness can open gateways between worlds. However, biopower and technology are necessary to facilitate and direct the singularity project. Um, so, yeah, a lot of stuff going on there, but essentially it's the, as I said, the spiritual backdrop behind what's taking place. And uh, I think it made a, a good point about the... Um, the combination of scientists, mystics, or unknowing participants. Now, what we touch on today is a, is a case of trying to discern and find out which one of uh, the major proponents uh, that comes under comes under, and what is the intentionality of these moves, and um, how much knowledge is there of the individuals that are, are propelling this singularity, this transhumanist agenda. Because bearing in mind a lot of political movements, a lot of uh, these. Um, uh, political heavyweights are all on the same page. They're all moving towards the same agenda, which is a transhumanist one. It's just dressed up with slightly different bells and whistles, whether it's the lefty progressive, whether it's the right uh, 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 the right conservative. They're all funded by the same companies with going in the same direction. Um, so with that being said, I, I want to just touch on that just for some context with regards to what we're now going to look at um because yeah it's uh it's been in the news it's been reported and uh let's let's take a look so those of you might be familiar have heard of Neuralink again it, this may not be new to you but I think uh just looking at it with that um with that spiritual lens um, and by the way, with with all of that being said, like uh, I advocate looking at all of these principles yourself. Uh, the book that I just cited, um, have a look, have a read. 
Um, if you've not if you're not familiarised yourself with that uh, area, then by all means, if you're led, um, because it, it is fascinating uh, in my opinion, and it's good to know what's going on. So, with that being said, let's crack on and get into the video. Neuralink just reached one of its biggest milestones so far, and they've started to recruit people for their first human trial. Elon Musk recently mentioned that he's got the FDA's stamp of approval just a few months ago, and Neuralink is officially on a hunt for its first human pioneers, dubbed the Prime Study. This six-year journey aims to revolutionize the world of tech, medicine, and human-machine interaction. But what exactly does the future hold for this amazing technology? Let's find out. Neuralink is moving full steam ahead. They've secured the necessary approvals, not just from an independent ethical review board, but also from a partnering hospital. This is quite a leap forward, especially considering they just got the FDA's thumbs up in May to kick off their first human-focused clinical study. This six-year initial trial, which is being called the Prime Study, aims to test Neuralink tech designed to help those with paralysis control devices. The study focuses on three components. The N1 implant, a brain-computer device, the R1 robot, responsible for implanting the device, and the N1 user app, translating brain signals into computer actions. Neuralink wants to ensure these tools are both safe and effective. One so uh, right off the bat, you've got the um, intentionality being presented as something of uh, a good moral standard, i.e. to help people with certain diseases um, and afflictions and, and to help them uh, function in, in the modern world. One of the main goals of the brain-computer interface is to give people who have quadriplegia because of a cervical spinal cord injury or ALS the chance to control computer cursors or keyboards solely with their thoughts. Neuralink has mapped out quite a comprehensive game plan for their main study. Right after the device is implanted, an 18-month primary study period kicks off. During this time, every two months, patients will check in with a medical team. This isn't just a quick, how do you do, it's to closely monitor progress and to ensure that the Neuralink device is working as it should. The patients will be going through one-hour BCI research sessions, not once, but at least twice a week for those 18 months. And once that primary study wraps up, there's no slowing down. The next phase, which is the long-term follow-up, starts right away. This will involve four clinical visits yearly over the duration of the study. Over the next five years, the study has two main goals. First, to see how safe the M1 implant and the R1 surgical robot are, and second, to figure out if the Neuralink tech can actually help those with complete body paralysis, control devices just by thinking. One of the significant milestones will be witnessing the Neuralink R1 robot operating on a human for the first time. The whole procedure will be carried out by a surgical robot called the R1. The robot was specially designed by Neuralink to embed the implant and its 64 ultra-thin flexible connected threads, upon which there are 1,024 electrodes that record neural activity. On the left is the uh, view of the insertion area, and on the right, uh, what the robot's going to do is it's going to peel the array, uh, the threads, one by one from its silicon backing and insert it into the targets that we uh, predetermined in the targeting view. So. There you go. That's the first insertion. So we're going to see a couple more insertions. The whole process of inserting uh, about 64 threads in our first product is going to be around 15 minutes uh, for this robot. So 
The robot then delicately places the M1 implant into the outer layer of your brain, known as the cortex. This part of the brain controls our body's movements. During See, my first thought was like, if it takes a robot to uh, to put it in there, would it? I would imagine it would take a robot to like get it out. What if, for whatever reason, you've got hundreds of thousands of people with these chips, and then the robots are no longer there, and you're stuck <laughs> stuck with this chip in your head? I mean, oh. In the procedure, a small section of the skull is temporarily removed, and there's interaction with the brain's protective layer, known as the dura mater. Initially, Neuralink considered bypassing it, but they've since decided to work with it. Once the procedure is done and the M1 device is fit inside the skull, the skin's then stitched back, making the device virtually undetectable. What's especially impressive is that this pioneering surgical procedure will allow the N1 implant to seamlessly transmit and pick up brain signals, all done wirelessly through Bluetooth. These signals will then connect to Neuralink's app, turning brain activity into computer commands. The main objective of the Prime study is to empower people to control a computer cursor and keyboard solely with their thoughts. Elon Musk, the brains behind Neuralink, didn't miss a beat, broadcasting this milestone on his social media channel, now called X. According to him, it won't be long before the first patient gets a Neuralink device, opening up the potential to bring back full body movement. Elon believes it has the potential to address issues like blindness, paralysis, and even mental health concerns, such as depression. But beyond these therapeutic applications, Musk's vision extends to the broader population. He speaks of a future where Neuralink devices are not just made for medical interventions, but can link the human mind directly to powerful supercomputers. He's looking at the bigger picture with Neuralink, hoping it could be the bridge between human thought and advanced artificial intelligence. On his platform, X, Elon shared a thought-provoking idea. If we ever create a super smart computer, our current ways of communicating like typing or talking just wouldn't be fast enough. We'd need a direct instant link from our brain to that AI. Musk also pointed out the possibilities if someone like Stephen Hawking had access to technology like Neuralink. Hawking, as we all know, was one of the most brilliant minds in history, but had significant limitations in communication due to his condition. Yet, he made groundbreaking contributions to theoretical physics and cosmology. The reason why Musk mentions Hawkins to underscore Neuralink's potential is because Neuralink's technology promises to unlock this potential by providing a more direct and efficient means of communication. So I mean, again, on, on paper, a lot of people will be looking at this saying, well, it's, it's for the benefit of the individual uh, physically, for those who are suffering, and, and it could lead to other advancements. And um, again, when you don't have a biblical backdrop or a context for what's taking place in terms of the fallen nature of the world and uh, how sin has come into the world and is at the root of all of these um, ailments and, 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 and uh, difficulties... Um, you start to play God, and we, we, we've spoken about this before, about man's um, appropriation and uh, working with the enemy in terms of playing God in various uh, different ways. And another element that um, I considered is the impact of um, physical difficulties on ourselves uh, and, and other people and um, how this can uh, affect the human condition in the sense that um, when there are those who are suffering and in affliction and, and, and who either overcome or don't, the impact that this has on, on society and, and other people is massive, whether it can be 
stories of in, inspiration, whether it's moments of gratitude, whether it what it means to to serve and to care and to love those who are less in uh, who are more in need than us. All of these undesirable facets of of the fall of man and how God uses all of these things, uh, not because he he necessarily wants to punish or inflict this on people it's a result of a, of a damaged world um but yet he uses all of these things very gracefully so that we can uh, grow and learn and um, be human to make mistakes and to, to to suffer and to overcome and all of these tropes which could over a period of time be negated and turned into this vanilla utopian robotic everybody's the same no death no disease in this uh nightmarish uh, scenario of of existence so that that's one of my um one of the thoughts that, that troubles me with this the passing current alternatives like head mice or eye tracking systems such technologies while innovative don't offer the same seamless connection Neuralink might provide but musk's vision doesn't stop at just communication he's thinking about how Neuralink's brain tech could team up with tesla's humanoid robot optimus to explain this, he referenced a famous scene from The Empire Strikes Back, where Luke Skywalker gets a robotic hand that works almost as good as the original. Similarly, Neuralink could help close the gap between us humans and machines. Imagine if we could use our thoughts to control machines as naturally as moving our own limbs. It's like leveling up our abilities and breaking free from the limits of our flesh and bone. According to recent reports, Neuralink is... Again, that uh, element of leveling up, of, of ascending, of, of becoming more than just human, that, that the existence of human is, is, is not enough, that there is a, a form of transcendence and a, uh, uh, an ascendancy that's taking place. And, you know, that's why I touched on the outset with regards to um, mystic uh, philosophies and uh, the indoctrination of, of people uh, through these means um, that... You know, Yeshua said that there's only one way to the Father, and that's that's through Him. He is the door, and all of these uh, ways, in essence, are the circumnavigating of uh, coming to one with the Father, and through repentance, through the shed blood of of the Lamb. Essentially, that is that is how we how we uh, return back as as a prodigal people, as as a bride that needs to be washed and cleansed, purified, and, and and brought back to our rightful place. Whereas this is um, the doctrine of the fallen ones. This is um, this is satanic at its very core. And what, did, what did he say? That I will ascend and, and be like God. And, uh, and, and, and this is how this uh, doctrine is, is uh, permeated through all of these mystic philosophical um, religions and practices and how they've infiltrated uh, many faiths and popular culture um, as I said like I, I've only got so much in which I can try and condense but it's just such a wide ranging uh, backdrop to where we find ourselves on the hunt for at least 10 volunteers they're looking for individuals 22 years or older to be a part of the prime study which will span for six years now at its core Neuralink's mission isn't just about bridging the gap between the human brain and technology 
It's about harnessing that technology to dramatically improve the lives of those with disabilities. For many people living with disabilities, especially those affecting communications and motor functions like ALS or paralysis, everyday tasks can become huge challenges. Being unable to communicate one's thoughts, needs or emotions can be isolating leading to a diminished quality of life. This is where Neuralink's technology shows its true potential. By providing a direct interface between the brain and computers, Neuralink offers the promise of restoring lost abilities. For instance, a person with paralysis might regain the ability to type out messages, controlling smart home devices, or even browse the web using only their thoughts. Beyond mere communication, the technology could provide a means to engage more fully with the world, from pursuing education and employment opportunities to participating in social and recreational activities. For those with quadriplegia, due to conditions like ALS, the current methods of interfacing with computers are not only expensive, but also limiting. Neuralink's technology could revolutionize this, not by curing the condition, but by drastically improving the quality of life for the afflicted. He's learned to interact with a computer for a tasty banana smoothie delivered through a straw. We can interact with the Neuralink. Somebody's got some footage of me having my breakfast iPhone, this morning. Just as you might pair your phone to a Bluetooth speaker. As demonstrated with monkeys playing Pong using Neuralink, the promise for human applications is endless. However, it's essential to approach some of Musk's claims with caution. While the visionary CEO speculates about Neuralink reversing conditions like AI, uh, and again, it's that um, that typical scene that you see in many films where it's a, a well-intentioned scientist or somebody who comes across a miraculous discovery and he, he or she has plans to to help the world with the cure or the, or the invention and then the, the evil mastermind sweeps in and, and uses it for uh, malevolent forces. And it's, um, again, that's, that's what you see uh, here where it's like we can help so many people it's going to help uh, improve the quality of lives of so many and um, it, it, it's it's the long game it's the end goal that, that that you need to sort of focus on with this one ALS multiple sclerosis or even Alzheimer's these claims are forward-looking and not yet proven these diseases complexities mean that while Neuralink could play a role in treatments or alleviation cures are a different ballgame one of the fundamental challenges is our limited understanding of the brain it's an incredibly complex organ and even the academic world has not fully unraveled its intricacies so when we talk about integrating it with technology the challenges multiply from the physical concerns of implant surgery and the body's possible rejection of foreign materials to the broader societal implications there's a lot to consider here ethical concerns also loom large in an era where personal data is increasingly vulnerable the concept of a company or entity having access to potentially modifying or influencing human thoughts raises legitimate worries about personal identity autonomy and privacy the more we integrate bcis into our daily lives the more vulnerable we become to potential hacking or unauthorized access to our thoughts and intentions. To safeguard against brain hacking, BCIs must implement robust security measures. Encryption of neural signals, authentication protocols, and intrusion detection systems are some of the key elements needed to protect the integrity of the brain device communication channel. On top of that, strict regulations and oversight are necessary to ensure that BCIs adhere to ethical standards and... That, that's absolutely... It's madness because if you look at the uh, the wild west of the internet and uh, technology and, and hacking and the culture around that now, it's like, okay, so 
you can't guarantee a, a safe and secure um, unit within a computer or a phone like 100%, uh, but yet you're willing to then transfer the same principle into into humans like and not guarantee that that, that we can't be hacked or uh, to have intrusive things um, uh, put into us or for our privacy to be compromised. All, all of these um, uh, elements which are, are so far from being guaranteed um, it's just so sketchy. Prioritise user privacy and consent. But if you think the risk is worth the reward, here's how you can sign up for the Neuralink trial. A whole study will take about six years, and during this period, they'll check in on you roughly two dozen... And you know people are going to be queuing up for this. They're not going to be short of people volunteering for this at all. ...dozen times to ensure the brain device is functioning as planned. So... Who can participate? Neuralink is primarily on the lookout for people who've lost movement in their arms and legs because of a serious injury or a condition named ALS. If that's been the case for over a year and you've seen no improvement, this could be your chance. But you've got to be at least 22 years old and have a trustworthy person to assist and care for you during the study. There are certain conditions that make it a no-go though. If you've had gadgets inside your heart like pacemakers or devices stimulating the brain, or if you've had seizures before, you won't qualify. Also, those undergoing certain treatments like regular MRIs or a different method known as transcranial magnetic stimulation can't participate. But to truly determine if you're a fit, head to Neuralink's website and fill out their form and they'll guide you from there. Well or if you've got any belief in the Bible whatsoever, you wouldn't go near this. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's uh, that's basically the explanation and overview of the Neuralink um, uh uh, again, it's just it's just uh, mad to see this come to fruition uh, in our in our time. This was literally out of movies and books, and now we're we're seeing the beginnings of the uh, of what this uh, step in transhumanism is gonna gonna look like. Um, now, as I was reading excerpts from the book earlier, touched on the um, the, the the interesting uh, question about intentionality. Um, you know, whether it be from scientists, from mystics, or, or those who are unknown contributors to this uh, uh, to this direction, um, which brings me on to um, an interview with with uh, Elon Musk himself, where uh, some very good questions are posed to him, and um, yeah, we'll just get into uh, maybe discovering a bit more about um, is this somebody who does have good intentions. Who who really is uh, trying to facilitate a move with with uh, um, a perspective of, of helping others, or is he a high level elite sorcerer from a a deep bloodline who's being manipulated and used by uh, principalities of in high places? Um, it's it's an imp I think it's a good question. Um, but we'll, we'll have a look at this interview and get into some elements of that. I'll be honest. Of all, of all the things you do and all the companies you run, I think it's all awesome. The one thing that does concern me, and I know concerns a lot of people out there, so I do have to bring it up, which is Neuralink. Sure. So firstly, can you explain what Neuralink is and what the goal of it is? Uh, we put a, a chip in your brain to control your mind. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Concerns not alleviated. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> jump right in. <laughs> Step right up. Who wants one? Um, 
Uh, so, so Neuralink, you'll be able to see Neuralink coming from a very long distance because any device that you implanted in a human is you have to go through a million, so many tests. Um, it, it moves very slowly. You just do a few people at a time, and then um, you, you go to extreme lengths to prove. Yeah, but like a train from a distance, you can see that coming, but it still takes you out of the game once it arrives. So I'm not <laughs> straight off the bat. It's like, oh, you'll see it coming. Don't worry. Like, I am worried because we can see it coming. Safety. Um, you have to go through the FDA approvals. Like we're not trying to sidestep any, you know, uh, regulatory approvals. We're um, doing everything, you know, by the book and. Uh, maximum we're really actually we're going uh, far beyond what the requirements are of the fda from a safety standpoint mm -hmm. um and the the initial devices will really just be a pretty basic um it'll be about restoring functionality to people who've lost their connection between their their brain and their body so you can imagine like if say stephen hawking could talk or communicate um as fast as uh, somebody with a fully functioning body mm -hmm. that would be amazing so that's like the what we're trying to do that's our first application is to restore functionality to quadriplegics, tetraplegics, and, and people who have just for whatever reason uh, no longer have a connection between or have a, a, a limited connection between their their their, their brain and their body. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second application would be restoration of eyesight. So if somebody's uh, gone completely blind, maybe even has lost the optic nerve, um, you can actually still uh, directly... Uh, stimulate the neurons in the visual part of the, the cortex. Um, so you can give, give a direct vision to the brain. Mm -hmm. I sometimes wonder if Elon Musk is actually like an AI generated like robot himself. In, in fact, you could actually, depending upon what cameras you use, you could actually see in different wavelengths. Okay. You know, like oh, uh, wow. Jordi Laforge from like, you know, you could like have that like, <laughs> I actually watched like an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation with special effects compared to what we're used to. You could see in radar if you want. Mm. Yeah. And what's the what's the long term what's the long term goal for it? Because I, I think myself and others, I think the 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 first part is the first part sounds sounds fine. Sounds yeah, good. that's like hard to argue with. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but long term, I think I mean, the concern that people have is is this just leading us into this dystopian transhumanist future where where does it go what are the what are the ethical boundaries of it well i mean the thing i wanted to emphasize is that it's not going to like sort of pounce on us overnight mm -hmm. uh, it'll you'll you'll see it coming it's going to be very slow in fact i i really think that um artificial general intelligence or digital superintelligence is likely to arrive before we have really advanced neural links. At least that's where the trend is right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, but, but, but ultimately the idea would be to achieve a symbiosis between our biological mind and our kind of digital mind. Notice how when he asked him the question about are we, is this assisting us towards a, a dystopian uh, future of, uh, you know, man and machine going wrong he, he doesn't um he doesn't refute it in any way um and then he goes on and talks about the the symbiosis of of man and machine um which again given the the, the spiritual backdrop to what we're talking about the relationship between 
the 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 unseen realm, other dimensions, the realm that we operate in, and how man is a conduit and uh, a, re- a receiver transmitter of this uh, relationship, and how he's looking for a um, a relationship, a symbiosis between man and this digital mind. Um, again, it's very Star Trekky sci-fi lingo but that we know that everything is is of a spiritual nature first and foremost so it's just um it doesn't really alleviate any concerns in terms of him refuting that so we, we're already kind of a cyborg uh, if you think of like your phone and your computers as an extension of yourself mm-hmm. in fact like if you leave your phone behind it's like you have missing limb syndrome you're like you know, <laughs> where did it go you know um and uh so the phone is a kind of an extension of ourselves. Our computer is. Uh, the various applications that we use are already an extension of self. So we, we are already a cyborg. It's just that the interface is uh, with our eyes and our fingers. Yeah. Um, and um, and that that interface, especially output, the rate at which we can type words into a phone or a computer, just it's very slow. Our, our input is much better because with with uh, the data rate from vision is. Um, you know, I don't know, many thousands of times, maybe a million times better than the rate at which we can um, output. So input is like maybe, I don't know, roughly a million times better than output. And uh, so so what, what a neural-like device can do is improve that bandwidth, allow, you, allow um, you to be sort of much more symbiotic with your the, the AI extension of yourself. Mm. So you can think of like, like a human brain really is be arguably divided into two parts one is kind of like the primitive uh brain um the, the reptile brain it's sometimes called you know it's like a, a sort of basic instincts and um and then we've got the cortex like the higher level thinking planning and that kind of thing um but the two operate symbiotically so i haven't yet met anyone who wants to delete their limbic system or delete their cortex everyone's quite happy having both yeah they're like oh, i like it the way it is you know um, but your cortex is way smarter than your limbic system. So, but the irony is that even though the cortex is... I mean, just... Uh, he, he's not an unlikable guy in his demeanor and the way in which he um, speaks. Uh, he's clearly uh, incredibly intelligent, very smart, uh, can articulate his points uh, really well. Um, so that, that makes it stranger because, um, again... <laughs> when it says in the scriptures that Satan comes as an angel of light, it's it's not some horned beast like you know. It's it's come. It can come through somebody who who does uh, come across as well-meaning and articulate and charismatic, shall we say, to a certain extent. Um, which is interesting, given that like there isn't a guy in the world who's had this much coverage, this much access, and influence over uh, modern events um so the, yeah the plot thickens is way smarter than the limbic system most of what it's doing is trying to make the limbic system happy it's like limbic system's hungry hungry okay let's get some food mm-hmm. um limbic system is horny okay let's you know have sex or whatever mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see i mean the sheer amount of 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 effort the you know the the cortexes have of all the humans have put into trying to get laid is insane. It's going to keep the species going. Yeah, but, it was, but it, not even with even if you know it's not for procreation. Like the like the limbic system is 
is re really like too simple to understand that like sex does not result result in, in procreation because mm -hmm. for almost all of human existence that it did. Um, you know, birth control is a very recent thing. So this, the, the limbic system is like trying to incent procreation. And, um, but, but now we can effectively hack the limbic system by doing procreation, but by having sex without procreation. Mm -hmm. um, so, which is, I guess, maybe part of the, the issue with, uh, you know, why do we have more kids? It's like in the past, it would just happen because, yeah, you know, course, yeah. in order to make the limbic system happy, you'd have sex, you'd, you didn't have birth control, so you'd, you'd pop out some kids. Yes. Um, so that's, that's how it used to be. Um, so, 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 the, so even though you've got a cortex that's way smarter than the limbic system, the cortex is still basically just trying to make the limbic system happy. And, um, and then if you think of like a, the computers as a, as a sort of a third layer, um, the AI is a third layer, it's not necessarily the case that the um, AI would be acting contrary to our interests. I think if it's closely linked with our biological intelligence, I think it could... Um, actually be just simply, again, trying to make the cortex happy, which is trying to make the limbic system happy. So I think we'll put even more computing power to try to get laid, mm -hmm. basically. <laughs> um, now the AI is going to help you get laid. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think what it is that, that concerns people about it, number one, I'm, you know, number one being you, but I think the main thing is is the the fact that this is something that's like inside inside your body. Right. I think the the idea of putting a chip in the idea of someone putting a chip in my brain, I, I just have a vi I have a visceral no. <laughs> like I, I'm a, I have a I have a very, I mean, a very it's, visceral it's, it's, it's an optional thing. I mean it's a, yeah. we're not gonna you know would it would it be though long term? I mean I hope so. Its, I think it should yeah. be optional. Yeah. It'd be bizarre if it was not. Um no, I think it's kind of like how some... kind of, what I, was the reason I ask is because smartphones right now are sort of optional but if you don't have a smartphone the way everything is sort of designed it's around society point. um you yes you cannot have a smartphone but it's a massive hindrance and disadvantage in many ways true a smartphone is almost essential in a modern society to to do things yeah um so could a neuralink end up in that same sort of place it's possible but i'm just saying if it does it's a it's it's many decades from now, so it's not like you know it's not today's problem. Yeah, I'd worry a bit more about digital superintelligence. I'd worry about let's try to avoid World War Three. Yeah, uh, let's let's make sure we're at least having enough kids to sustain our population. You know, basic stuff like that. Yeah. Um. And yeah. And the interview goes on. Um. But it's just some very heavy deflecting, as he said at the end there. You know, that's not necessarily today's problem. Uh, it could, could happen uh, further down the line. And, um, you know, am I suggesting that this guy is, is the Antichrist uh, demon techno wizard who's facilitating? I, I really don't know. Um, but he certainly is uh, deflective in in answering the the long term effect of of what these um, uh, inventions and what these moves uh, and the implications of the future. Um, and, and I think, you know, one one element or the main element is, uh, as I said about intentionality. Um, 
how much is he aware of uh, his role in this uh, transhuman uh, agenda? Uh, is he a guy who's just um, doing his level best with the intelligence and the resources around him, um, trying to make the world a better place? Or is he a high-ranking, high-level um you know, sorcerer from a from a severe from a serious uh, bloodline or, or family, like it's it's really it's really quite hard to tell. And it's like, well, why why are we talking about mysticism? Why are we talking about Kabbalah um, uh, specifically? And it's like, for, well, for my money, it's the it's the underpinning um, it's the underpinning foundation to the spiritual backdrop to what's taking place and uh you know i'm not being anti-semitic or besmirching of a, a, a nothing like that it's because kabbalah is 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 so wide-reaching and it's um it's so interwoven into a lot of um philosophies um is it's accessible to a lot of different um uh people groups and you know, I, I believe a lot of the, the high-ranking elites in this world, whether it be in Freemasonry or a royalty or bloodlines, they are familiar with Kabbalistic principles and operate under the tenets of uh, these mystical moves. And um, it is all of an Antichrist spirit, essentially. Um, it's just a curious um, question as to how uh, aware and signed up to... Uh, uh, the agenda that they are. I mean, if you're if you're in Freemasonry, at some point you're gonna look at the 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 play sheet and go, "Oh gosh, I realise whose side I'm on. I might want to get out of here." You know, uh, if you're in a, the music industry, you might realise, "Oh gosh, I'm at this point." And then, you know, so everything is facilitating and moving towards God's will on this earth. So that gives me hope and comfort that uh, although this is a satanic device, this is a, a move of the enemy, it does not negate um, the, uh, the, the story and the redemption of the gospel message and God's redemptive plan for, uh, for the world. It doesn't take away any of that. Um, however, uh, we can see some very key shifts and key moments uh, taking place in the world today. Um, so, with that being said, I, I think we'll just uh, we'll just finish off on this last um, last section from the book, and it's it's in the conclusion. Um, so, uh, seeing through the singularity connects our core themes: biopolitics, communitarianism, human purification and cosmic gate gateways with the practices and ultimate directive of the cosmic conspiracy, which is the technological singularity. Uh, our objective has been twofold. First, to provide a conceptualization of singularity uh, within the larger project of biopolitics. Uh, second, to identify within this conceptualization an operative solidarity between biopolitics, biblical theology, and theosophy, uh, specifically Kabbalah, uh, the thesis of this book is that the singularity must be considered within this framework in order to appreciate the striking correspondences between biopolitics, theology, theosophy, and the prophetic post-human spiritual destiny of man. Um, so s surmising that all things are connected 
and there is an underpinning to that. Um, we have argued that biopolitical projects such as eugenics, molecular and digital revolutions are directed towards the inversion of the cosmic order through the inversion of logos. And as we've moved from, from analog to digital uh, in this modern age, we, we see a, a further distancing uh, man's relationship to God on the whole. Uh, a lot of this digital age is... Um, is uh, facilitating this this stronger degree of separation. Now, our purpose for uncovering the cosmic conspiracy has been to cast bodies, minds, and spirits towards the singularity of creation, intention, and order, which is the logos, which is the true light of the world. Um, and we'll just close here, with John one uh, one to five. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was God. Uh, the word was with God and the word was God. Uh, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shineth in darkness and the darkness comprehended it not. So um, yeah, the singularity, the uh, technocratic state that we live in, the, the movers and the shakers in that movement, and just to emphasize the gospel message that uh, Jesus is the light of the world, that he came to save, um, to save us from our sins, to save us from the uh, damnation that we deserve, and that no feat of man, no operation of uh, the enemy uh, is ever going to circumnavigate uh, man's access to God through salvation in, in Christ Jesus. Um, all of these wicked wiles uh, and plans of the enemy um, are uh, fascinating uh, to, to, to witness and I think it's important to discern that the times that we're in and to, um, to arm ourselves with this information so that when we are out in the world, whether it's in a workplace with, with familiar friends and family, that we can have these conversations, that we're not completely ignorant and that we can talk about our faith, that we can talk about uh, the redemptive plan of, 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 of God in the world and how there is this deception taking place. And that probably comes with a, with a warning because, uh, you know, sometimes it can be like you, you ride in the, the, the tinfoil hat um, uh, brigade a bit, but that, that is what it is. But it's, um, it's a fascinating insight. And again, um, such a vast topic, uh, I couldn't possibly condense it into one show. Um, but again, I advocate for any uh, points, anything that we've covered today. Do your own research, have a look into it. Uh, as ever, if you've got any suggestions, uh, if you've got any points, uh, anything that I may have missed or got wrong, by all means, uh, hit me up, uh, give me some feedback. It's most welcome. Um, so that's it. Um, from our house to yours, uh, this was the Upper Room After Hours. Uh, much obliged for you for joining me, and God willing, we'll see you soon. Uh, take care. God bless. We love you lots.